Well, welcome to another edition of Intentional Conversations. On Intentional Conversations, we seek to interview leaders in men's ministries to help men grow spiritually and help leaders and pastors to reach men in today's culture. Discussing issues men face every day. It is a program where a men's ministry leader interviews leaders in men's ministry. Hey, men, this is Mike Salen of Cape Fear Men. I appreciate you joining us on this particular podcast. If you had followed me for any length of time, you know I like to have men on that are making an impact in today's culture of reaching to men. And I think that uh, today we have uh, another one of those type of gentlemen. Um, uh, one of the topics you know that I like to discuss a lot is discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to be in a discipling relationship? And that's what we're going to be discussing today. And we're going to take it probably from a different perspective in a lot of ways. But the importance is needed for men to understand why they need to be in a discipling relationship. And I'm honored to have on the program today, Mike Rivera. Uh, he's a fellow brother in, in this battle for men's souls. And I appreciate him so much uh, over the time that I have gotten to know him over the last few years. So Mike, welcome to the program. Well, Mike, it's so uh, it's a joy just to be here with you, Mike. Uh, and it's a joy to have uh, be involved with men's ministry. Hey, guys, if you're listening to us, man, Thanks for joining us, man. Amen. 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 Mike, you and I have a similar passion to reach men for the kingdom of God. And um, and as I've gotten to know you, there is no doubt you have a heart to speak uh, on what we need to do to be impacting men in today's culture. And and before but before we really get into that discussion, let me share a little bit about you with our with our listening audience, Velma. Mike, um, Mike's been well with the Lord for over 40 years, guys. You know, so he's, he's had a lot of experience. He, and uh, he's a graduate. We attended uh, Zion Bible Institute, which is now North Point Bible College up in Massachusetts, graduated in 84. He soon got married to his wife, Jocelyn, and uh, continued his education and got his bachelor's in, in secular literature from Logos University in 1987. He's worked as a substance abuse counselor in New York City public school systems. He has been a director, program director of Head Start in Boston, managing several programs. And for the past 14 years, he's worked alongside his colleague uh, in, in assisting in training over 300 pastors and their ministry leaders in the New England area, with some of the topics being understanding management and leadership styles and understanding the human heart and theology. Mike uh, launched in 2011 a parachurch ministry called Jethro Ministry, and he also conducts workshops at the Iron Sharpens Iron Men's Conference, which is how Mike and I connected was through the Iron Sharpens Iron Network because I worked directly with that, that organization also. In 2012, Michael began working with his current church at uh, Brockton Assembly of God, and he oversees the men's ministry alongside other men, and he currently teaches a men's Bible's class, and he's an adjunct professor to Bible College called ASUM. What does ASUM stand for? It's got to be an acronym or something. Yeah, acronym for Antioch School of Urban Ministry out in New York City. Uh, I'm a professor, uh, an adjunct professor there. I teach actually through Zoom. And, wow. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's a fascinating thing. A good pilot. They started a pilot program, so I became part of that pilot. And I had 13 students. Uh, most of them were pastors and, and uh, sub-leaders of various ministries, and they wanted to understand what leadership is, leadership style is all about. So I taught a class on leadership and it was fascinating, man. Oh, I bet it is. That's one of the things I see a lot of times in our churches. 
leadership is they, they know a lot of a lot of biblical aspects of, of ministry, uh, theology, doctrine, um, ministry styles and so forth. But very few of them have been trained in actual leadership where they're having to, to, to lead people and manage manage a business, basically. Well, yeah. And, and the part that I, I, I focus on is not necessarily managing money, but how to manage people. One of the things that I've come up, you know, Mike, there's over 800 different definitions on the term de- leadership, which tells me we really don't know how to define it. <laughs> so, so, so I've come to a conclusion for myself that yeah. the best definition as far as in the biblical worldview is this. A leader is not one who's in charge, but a leader is one who takes care of those in their charge, Amen. which suggests strongly this that we are stewards of somebody else's estate. Mm-hmm. So when Christ comes to us and we stand before him, he's going to ask the question, what have you done with that which I have given you? So, hey, listen, leaders, we're all going to stand before him. And he's, it's not going to be your ministry. It's actually his ministry in your care, you know. And so here, I'm in care of men's ministry. I have to, I'm a leader in men's ministry, but I'm a leader of, of those individuals that I God has placed me in care of, his sheep. So how do I take care of these guys? Mm-hmm. How do I challenge them? How do I uh, uh, minister to their brokenness and strengthen you know, their areas of life and, and challenge them to keep going uh, and not to give up? You know, those are the things that really are serious for me uh, when it comes to uh, the kingdom of God. And that's mm-hmm. what drives me. Uh, that portion of standing before him and saying, wow, Lord, this is what you gave me. This is what I'm giving back to you. You know, mm-hmm. remember the story of the parable of the talents, yep. you know, that's yep. it. You know? And so, you know, one guy got 10, he multiplied that. The other guy got, he multiplied that. The other guy hid his in the ground, you know, and, and he blamed the master, <laughs> Which is kind of crazy. I knew how I knew that you were a harsh and and um, a harsh man and and so yeah, forth. Yeah. And so I hit it to make sure you got what you gave me back. You know. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and look what happened. His consequence of the choices yeah. that was given to him as a leader, he decided to become self-centered. So yeah. hey, guys, if if you're a leader in men's ministry and so forth, take that seriously because God has placed you in a place to care for His sheep. You know the story of Peter. You love me, then feed my sheep. Yeah, feed my sheep. You know, it's not Peter's sheep; it's his sheep. You're the steward. You know, so that's where I am right now. (laughs) Well, let let me let me ask you this: since we're talking about leadership, we're talking about men's ministry. You know, um, a lot of churches seek out a man uh, just to fill their nominating committee list. You know, however they may do that at their church. You know. Um, I've seen that often, often or not. We need, we need to have a man that's our ministry, men's ministry leader, director, whatever they may want to call them. What, what do you think the men's ministry leader's role should be in a church? What, is, what, what do you think his responsibility should be? That's a, that's, that's a good question. Thank you for asking that. I, I think as for me, I can only speak for myself. My role is to challenge men to be men who pursue after God. I personally have come to a place in my life where um, after 14 years of doing men's ministry at my home church that I came to five years ago, I came to an empath of either being program orientated 
or discipling orientated. Mm-hmm. And I was at that crossroad. And I said, well, if I'm program orientated, what am I doing with these guys? We're just having men's breakfast. We right. say hello, high five, and then that's right. it. Right. You know, uh, we have a little mini conference. We say high five. We have a cup of coffee. We talk about golfing. We talk about football. How you doing? Goodbye. And then that's it. I, I said, no more, no more. Uh, I, I grabbed, I asked the Lord to give me at least five guys. I want five guys, Lord, that have a passion just for your word, you know, and want to see growth. That's all I asked. God gave me five guys, you know, five guys. We sat down and says, hey, guys, we're not going to do programs anymore. What? We're not going to have men's breakfast? Oh, no, we're going to have men's breakfast, but it's not going to be focused on that. We're going to focus on men's lives. We're going to focus on their growth process. We're going to focus on, on their relationship with God. The reason why their marriage is failing is because of their relationship with God. The reason why they're not good dads is because of the relationship with God. The reason why they're not good financiers or anything like that is possibly their relationship with God is not healthy. And so they looked at me and said, well, let's talk about dads. I said, no, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about their relationship with God. You know, and I take that platform out of Matthew 6.33, Mike. uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then... And only then all these things will be added unto you. So we try to put the cart before the horse. You know, we try to minister to guys, you know, like we're putting the cart before the horse. No, you got to, you know, you got to put the horse in the right place. So we we deal with the guys. We challenge them. And for the past five years, I even changed the whole name. It says we're calling it Building Brothers, Mm. you know, Building Brothers. What does that mean? That we're going to go to the very foundation of the guy's life. We're going to challenge them. We're going to walk with them in their pain and 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 uh, disciple them one on one. You know, so right now, uh, I mean, COVID messed us up during that time, but we were we were moving along. I had groups of guys, small groups of guys, and I still have one group called Men of Integrity. These are guys who are dealing with pornography, dealing with all kinds. They meet consistently. I told my leaders, I don't want to know who they are. I just want to know that you're having it. And that you're having an intimate relationship with these guys in the sense of their growth process in Christ, that they get to know Christ and that you find out uh, how their wives are doing, how their children are doing based on his his downfall, you know, and we're finding some good results. The two guys that are leading it had a struggle with pornography and their and their marriages are doing absolutely fantastic, you know, uh, based on my challenge to them and their relationship with God, you know, and the reason why I say that, because. That's what happened to me. Someone came into my life, challenged me in my relationship with God. Now I pursue God for everything, you know, and that happened to that person. And it went on. So discipling is a one-on-one. And it, and I and I went back to the scriptures, Mike, and to see, how did Jesus do it, man? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, that, that, he's, he's our model when we he's look at model. that. He's our model where, you know, you know, I mean, obviously when we – we go out and find men who, for us to disciple, we generally don't walk up to them and say, follow me. But that's what he did. <laughs> you know, that's you know, it. You say that to somebody today, they're going to look at you kind of crazy. You yeah. Know? You know, but that's what he did. And that's and essentially that's what we should be doing, too. We do it a little differently today, you know, by by uh, tapping them on the shoulder and, and inviting them to join us in some kind of small group or something of that nature. But uh, still. That's what yeah, we need. Yeah. You know, I mean, let me, let me ask you this. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Um, in today's culture, it, it's a tough time for men in general, isn't it? Isn't it? Men yeah. are having a tough time today. 
Yeah, we, we, we live in a culture that hates men, first thing. Yeah. You know, uh, um, and, and so if a man looks at a certain way or does something, you know, he's already condemned. You know, and especially, or, in, or if he, or if he stands on the word of God, if he says was, something, yeah. says something in particular. I mean, I, I'm, you know, it, it's all over the news right now with Jim Harbaugh of his, of his position on, on abortion and so forth. And that's the only thing he ever said was that he was pro-life, and 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 they're really trying to cancel him out now. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. men are be, men are getting scared of standing on the truth, standing on the word of God. So it's tough for men today. Period. Even That's more so for those who are not even followers of Christ. So how true. do we how do we how do we deal with that? I think that one of the again, I can only speak for myself that I, the way I deal with it, and I don't stop saying it. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna say what they're gonna say because they want to push an agenda of their own. It's self centeredness, mm -hmm. and um, the, the scriptures teaches us that you know that Jesus became a stumbling stone to those a rock of offense. Well, truth is offensive because yep. you're not obedient to it. Yep. It's offensive yep. to the person who's not obedient. Yes, if you're not obedient to it, it's going to be offensive to you, you know? But it could also be a source of freedom for you if you listen carefully and become obedient to it, you know? Uh, so for me, um, in, a, in a culture that hates men, I just continue to strive on and to live the life that I should live according to scripture and be a light. Uh, regardless of what culture, culture does not dictate or define me as a man. You know, I have to stand up and as a, as a kingdom man, I have to stand up to what God is saying and represent the kingdom of God. Even though I live on the earth, I, I participate in the, the voting process and all kinds of stuff on the earth, I am still a stranger in this land, according to scripture. So with that, I which kingdom am I going to serve? The kingdom of this world or the kingdom of God? And so if I'm going to serve the kingdom of God, I'm going to show his light, his truth, and how we should be living on the earth. I've always said this, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk will ever talk. You know? Oh, that's so, good. I like that. <laughs> so your lifestyle has to portray truth. Yes. You can't say one thing and do something else. Yeah. You know? Uh, you can't talk about something against divorce and all of a sudden you, you, you've been married three times as a preacher, you know, <laughs> what's up with that? You know, yeah. uh, what are you talking about, man? You, you know, uh, so one of the things that we need to do as believers is understand that what comes first in our life is our relationship with God that portrays his kingdom that reflects his light. Now, that's a challenge for us because we think, oh, that's religion, man. You're talking religious talk. So no, we're talking about life. We're talking about why Christ came in a man's life. You know, what messed up Adam was that he didn't represent obedience to God. That's If he was obedient, then possibly we wouldn't be having this conversation today. We'll be worshiping yeah. God. But yeah, because man. he wasn't, look what's going on. Yeah. So I think uh, uh, for for culture, our culture today, we we get to understand that we can't listen to the voices of this world that dictates and try to shape us to become like them, and then challenge. Mike, listen to this one: our identity as men, because that's mm. one of the challenges men today. I mean, people are being challenged through our identity. You, how do we how do we help men do that? How do we help men to understand what it means to be a real man of God? and be able to minister to his family if he has a family or just to other men in general 
whether they're their brothers in Christ or not. How do we how do we help a man to do that? What I did is this. I wasn't raised in the church, Mike. I was raised mm -hmm. and born and raised in the streets of New York City in the Bronx. So I learned to become a young man through watching men in the streets all the wrong ways. Yeah, that's kind of kind I of the way I learned. Just to, yeah, I just wasn't yeah. in the streets, but it's the same it was in way. The streets. It was how to yeah. how you treat a woman, how you act, how, you know, chest right. you, right. you know, a certain way you gotta walk in order for, to to feel like you're the tough guy. Mm -hmm. So I get saved. I get saved in a living room in California. My example of becoming a man of God at the time is my uncle. He led me to the Lord. I'm watching him how he loved his wife, how he loved his kids, how he read his Bible. He discipled me every day when he led me to the Lord. I went back to New York City by phone. This is by telephone. He called me up, and every day for one hour, we would read the scriptures, and he would tell me this is what I should be doing. This is how I should be praying. And I took advantage of that. Then I found a local church in the Bronx. I saw this man of God on the pulpit watching him, and I watched how he loved his wife, how he loved his kids, how he loved the people in the streets. And I've learned what it is to love the poor. Why? Because I've watched somebody, you know? And then I'm watching in the scriptures when Jesus says, follow me. Well, he was actually saying, do what I do. When you do what I do, watch, your life will be changing. You know, so I, I'm wondering, do Christians today, men, do what Christ do? You know, are we following? Are we afraid of doing stuff like that? And so I said, no one's going to be like me. There's only one Mike Rivera. But the actions and what we do uh, uh, influence others directly or indirectly. Mm -hmm. So if I kiss my wife in front of my grandkids, they look at that and go, ooh. But I'm, I'm showing goodies, them Goodies, goodies, goodies. <laughs> I'm showing them an example. Right. So men, men, men need, to, need to find other men that are men of integrity, men that are honest, behind the pulpit and off the pulpit, looking at them, how they treat their wives, how they treat their kids, how, you know, how they, listen, how they drive in the car when somebody crosses them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just watching, watching their lifestyle, you know, uh, that's one way. The other way is getting involved with, with, with groups of guys who are in the same mind of saying, you know, I'm tired of messing up, man. I want to walk right. I want to do right. So how do I, I, I look for men that are doing what God is telling us to do to live right in scripture. You know, and again, I have been accused of Mike. You're too religious, man. You're too you, you you quote too many scriptures. Well, listen, there's only two ways of living. Paul says out of the Book of Romans, you either have a carnal mind or you have a spiritual mind. Yeah, which one is it? You yep. know, I, I'd rather lean and, on the and, and don't waver between the two. There you go. You're, you're one or the other. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so being a spiritual mind, that's where I'm going to find my life in peace. Being mm -hmm. a carnal mind, I'm going to find death. And so doesn't mean I, I'm, we're all going to die physically, but the things that I do will always be uh, things that have no life if I don't have Christ. So if I have Christ, my focus is life and peace. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat my wife right. I'm going to kiss her in front of folks. I, she's my love. She's my everything. You know, I'm going to touch my grandkids and pick them up and hug them and love them and show them that the man can actually show emotion and passion for what they love. You know, instead of being that... I, you, you know, be a man, but grandpa, I'm only five years old, you know? No, <laughs> you know, I'm only five. So I think that's one way of demonstrating, uh, uh, be an example 
uh, those strong men, be an example, and stop being the, the tough guy with the big ego. That's not what God is looking for. You know, Jesus was very secure in his authority. He was very oh, secure yeah. himself. Oh, yeah. And he and I and I I saw a scripture out of out of Matthew that says that he sang a hymn with his disciples. I mean, he laughed. He hung mm -hmm. out with them. I don't doubt he put his arms around them and 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 just laughed hard, you know, mm -hmm. and so forth. So he was real. He was dynamic in that sense, and yet passionate and 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 personal all at the same time. So mm -hmm. not being afraid of opening up. But those are those are areas that today are very scary. Being vulnerable, Mike. Uh, yeah, you find yeah. yourself on Facebook or, or I don't even know what the other social medias are. Instagram, <laughs> you know, things like that. There's my, there, there's many of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but I think being vulnerable is a scary thing. Uh, but again, finding those men that are influencers or change makers, those are the guys you want to hang out with. Those are the guys who are going to impact your life. If you're serious about God, I heard somebody say it this way. If you take if you take God seriously, you will see him unpack your destiny before you. Amen. Yeah, you know? yes, that's true. Well, you know, the 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 interesting fact is we're dealing with a culture of men uh who's was raised so differently from the time we were in school uh back in the 60s and early 70s. To what you see today, it's just it's just a completely different world in so many ways. One of the things that um, you know, when I got into men's ministry, ministering to men and understanding the importance of the, of uh, pouring your life into other men, as Paul said, you know, we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God but also our own lives when he was talking to the Thessalonians. But yeah. but the fact that um, the fact that uh, that's what we need to be doing, but we've got men in our generations, in the older generations, that's never experienced that. They were never taught that in church, you know, and and so it's hard to break that. But one of the things I learned here recently, and you and I had this conversation just the other day when mm -hmm. we were talking about it. I was sharing with you about, about a gentleman that I'm going to have on a podcast here in a few weeks by the name of Todd Unsinker who was talking about Generation Z, who are just now coming out of college, especially. They're getting into the workplace. These guys are looking for men like you and I to come alongside them and walk with them and mentor them and disciple them. And you get to an older generation, they're not looking for those guys. Why, why do you think that is? What do you think that difference? They're, you know, the younger guys are looking, they've got a purpose. They want a purpose in life. What do you think that, what, what's changed? Well, I, I think the older generation is just, been inundated with so much garbage in our media and in our society that has weighed them down while the younger generation is hungry looking for that leadership and i'm and i'm and, and there's a few guys uh um you know what's the what's the marine corps statement uh uh we're looking for a few good few men good men yeah you know? and so i think there's still a few good men out there that love god that want to see men change uh mm -hmm. and influence their lives that they're out there. And there's this young guy uh, that I know of. Uh, he's 23 years old. He runs his own business. Uh, and, uh, and he has his MBA, sharp kid, sharp African-American, you know. And uh, I, I, we've been talking for a while. And then one day he, he, he uh, calls me up and he says, hey, Mike, uh, can I talk to you? I said, sure, you can talk to me, bro. What's up? And he says, hey, man, you say it like it is. You don't you don't wave or anything. You you give the right picture of, of of what we as young men should be and things like that. And I'm hungry to walk with God and I want to learn from you. Can I can you mentor me? 
you know? And I looked at him and I said, whoa. I said, I'll be honored to, you know? I'll be honored to mentor you. So I think the the older generation don't know what it is to be dis, uh, mm -hmm. discipled because they've never been discipled. That's right. They've been taught Sunday school stuff. Yeah, that's you know? that's an and that's an information dunk that you and I talked about the other day. Yeah, I mean, the, nothing wrong with being in school. You should be in some kind of a Bible study program, but that kind of a ministry is just expounding information for head knowledge, but not necessarily an application knowledge like discipling does. No, no, well, Jesus did it with his 12. You know, yeah. he, 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 he was personal with them. He knew their family. He knew their mother-in-law. He hung out, ate with them, you know? So the question for me is, how do I going to disciple this young man? I'm going to have coffee with him. Yeah. I'm going to sit down and hear his heart and talk to him. And, and, and uh, we're going to laugh. We're going to cry. We're going to pray. You know, those are the things of being open with the young man. He could see an older man. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going to be 67 uh, next week, man. You oh, know, happy birthday, man. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and this, this kid is 23. Look at the age disparity. But and he's asking me to mentor him. Why? Because he sees something in me that he craves for. So my focus with him would be, let's focus on your relationship with God. And when you experience the presence of God, and, uh, uh, and I told him, when you experience the presence of God through reading of his word and spending time alone, your life is going to be changed and you're going to see things differently. Hey, men, you want wisdom? Read the scriptures. You'll get Amen. the wisdom of the scriptures. You you want guidance? Read the scriptures and get to know who God is and you watch that he'll guide you because that's his word. He Amen. promised it. He's not a liar. He promised it. You know, uh, you want your marriage right, man. What was the last time you got on your knees and talked to him? Mm -hmm. You know, and so forth. You 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 want to stop that area of your pornography. You want to stop that area of addiction. Find a man who's who who can who can talk to you straight up. Get on your knees. Repent before him. Shake off the dust off your feet and walk the walk you know mm -hmm. uh that's the challenge i think that uh, uh we need to give these young men that's what they're looking for the younger guys i i that's what i believe from this young man and i'm finding that there are other young men seeking being in an iron shop and iron conference watching these young men there i don't think they're there because they just want to hang out you know or their daddy just brought them i watch their faces man they're, they're intrigued to see other men going, whoa, what's going on here? There's a yeah. movement. You Absolutely. Know, Absolutely. You know, I mean, to see a man who's afraid to express his feelings towards God tells me a lot about him. I, yeah. I'm not afraid. I, I don't care who's looking at me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, the, the interesting thing is, too, I heard something here not too long ago um, <laughs> talking about uh, speaking truth into people's lives. And uh, uh, we have to be honest with people when we're discipling someone, we have to be honest with them. And one of the things that uh, I heard here recently was a, it was a statement that said, if you are afraid that you may offend, then you cannot be honest. Wow. I mean, think about that. Wow. If you cannot, if you cannot, if you're afraid that you may offend that person that you're mentoring, discipling, because uh, uh, they may turn you off, they may turn their back on, whatever you may be afraid of then you cannot be honest with that person and you cannot effectively disciple them in the way they need to be discipled. Yeah, that, 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 that's so true. Uh, uh, if you permit me to add on to that, you know, the, sure. old, Shakespeare, the sure. old Shakespeare statement, to thyself be true. And if yeah. you can't be honest with yourself, you're not honest with anybody else. Yeah. You know, and, and um, 
I, and I think that's important. There's another thought that came to me, you know, in, in picking, in, in, in looking for other men to influence and challenge you, you have to also be careful with that. Uh, uh, about 20, 23 years ago, Mike, uh, uh, I made some very poor decisions. I was an associate pastor of one of the largest churches here in New England. And I made some horrifying choices that affected my marriage, uh, affected my relationship with my wife. It affected my relationship with others uh, because I trusted somebody to share one of the most intimate parts of my life. And it went viral. It went viral. And to the point where I was asked to leave, stand in front of the congregation to confess all of my sins. I challenged one of the challenges that I had uh, with that with that statement was that if I'm going to confess my sin, we have 3,000 people that need to stand up and confess their sins as well. One doesn't work without the other. I, this is well, That was my crazy thinking at the time. It came to the point after sharing, I would find myself in a very dark place, Mike. Uh, so dark that everybody forsook me. It just, they left me to die. No one went after me. No one went to minister to me. A young pastor out in uh, uh, 16 miles south of Brockton where I live uh, that I happen to know um, heard about what happened uh, and uh, came after me he came after me um, and I found myself at a such a dark place Mike that I wasn't going to come back and what I meant by that that I was going to leave this earth I walked away from my family only to find myself alone and uh, this guy found me and he says hey Mike can I talk to you I said, sure. We began talking. After about an hour and a half, I said, listen, man, I don't want to talk anymore. I got to go. I got to get out of here. He says, no, 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 Mike, you can't leave. Let me pray with you. He prayed with me. And God used him in, in a gift of a word of knowledge. He says, Mike, the Lord is telling me to tell you, you can't take your life. You're valuable to him. He hasn't finished with you. The tears rolling down my face. I'm talking about Mike, real tears, snots and everything, the whole nine yards, you know? And and and, and he put his arms around me. He says, you're still valuable in the kingdom of God. He walked with me through my darkest times until I was healthy enough to walk. And he says, now go minister to other men. That was 22 years ago, you know? And, and I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for one guy who went out of his way to minister to me and to take me out of the worst ditch of my life, mm -hmm. you know? And and I thank God for that. And I think this is what the part that we as men, gave me passion to minister to other men. Because of this, I will go to the darkest place to get you out. I'll put my hand in there and find you and take you out, you know? I think you and I talked about, uh, are you that 2 a.m. guy, you know? I mean, you could uh, you can name six guys to carry a coffin, but can you? Is there somebody that you can call at two o'clock in the morning when you're in the darkest part of your life? You know who is that one person? Um, and uh, I have developed relationships with other men that I've put five guys in my life that can speak into my life when I'm doing wrong or when I'm doing right that I can go to. I call them the Nathans of my life. Mm. You know the Nathans. You know, where uh, whether relationship with David and Nathan, I, I, you know, was close or not close, is that Nathan approached David and told him, this is what you're doing. Mm. And David's response was two choices. He can respond by saying, I'm the king, you're a prophet, I'm going to chop your head off. Or, forgive me, Lord, please forgive me what I've done wrong. His response was, Lord, forgive me. 
And he was a healthy response. And so I think we need Nathans in our life. And I think it's important that we have Nathans in our life to speak into our life. And it works both ways. Accountability has to work both ways. Oh, yeah. both one way. And so, it, 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 and I want to go back to a, a question you talked about culture. And in culture, it, it, you know, different Spanish culture, Chinese culture, African American culture, you know, men respond differently, you know, uh, in different ways. Uh, being, uh, I got saved. I'll tell you this funny story. I got saved. I had this afro mic, believe it or not, it did have an afro. You know, I can't imagine you with an afro. <laughs> <laughs> Big afro, green fatigue jacket, white t-shirt, jeans. I'm entering the Spanish church in the Bronx. I got saved in California, go to this church in the Bronx. And I'm sitting in the back because I'm Spanish. I thought I needed to go to a Spanish church, you know? So I go there. My attention span at that time with Spanish was five minutes. That's yeah. I, you got me for five minutes and I lose, you know, because I have to translate it in my head. I'll tell, that's a whole nother story. Other than that, I'm sitting in the back. The preacher's preaching his heart out. The membership was like 20 folks, you know, in the church, Spanish legalistical church. He makes an altar call. Nobody goes up, but they're all looking at me. Big guy with an afro sitting You're in the different. Back. You were different. I'm different. So, you know, okay. He makes a second altar call. The ushers move from the front to the middle of the sanctuary, you know, and uh, I'm watching their movement and nobody moves up. He makes a third altar call. The ushers are now next to me, you know, and he says, he's talking to you. And he says, what do you mean he's talking to me? You know, and he says, yeah, you need to get saved. Well, I am saved. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes. I am. What makes you think I'm not saved? He goes, look at you. And I said, if my outward appearance has to tell you that I'm saved. Something's wrong with you, you know, because I know what God's done in my life. And I walked yeah. out of the church and I said, this is Christianity, is not it? I called my uncle. He says, Mike, you went to the wrong church, yeah. you know? And so I, I needed somebody to, to guide me and he guided me. But the problem is, is, is that there are those who look at us outwardly and, and, and culturally it, we respond differently. Yeah. Uh, we we need to learn how to minister to men in, in where they're at and getting an understanding. Again, I'm Puerto Rican. Guess what? I got to find out for the first time in my life what a Dominican looks like when I was in New York City. I got the first time to, to experience a Venezuelan who was Chinese. A mm. Chinese guy who spoke perfect Spanish freaked me out. I'm like, whoa! My world, again, Mike, in context was only the Bronx. I didn't know anything outside of that. You know, and so here am I saved experiencing all of this, which made me take classes on cultural anthropology to understand cultures. And I found out that men in different cultures respond differently uh, to the gospel in many different ways. We got to find out the first thing we need to understand that there are all, all men have basic needs. We all have basic needs. Those same basic needs is that we, we, we love, we hate. We, uh, we have a purpose, a sense of purpose, and that um, we, we want to do some change. We want to survive. But in between of that, correction, when a man is correcting another man in the Spanish culture, if you challenge him by looking at him, uh, uh, no, you challenge him by looking at him. In the American culture, if you will say, look at me when I'm talking to you, because I need to know that you're listening to me. In the Spanish culture, I put my head down as a sign of respect. So, Mike, you're correcting me. I put my head down. 
as a sign of respect, and I am listening to you. In the American culture, I have to look at you eyeball to eyeball. In the Chinese culture, your head is down. So some cultures respond differently, uh, and we need to understand it to be sensitive with that. I don't know how the culture of Christ's time, when he rebuked Peter and uh, re, uh, rebuked the, Fa oh, the Pharisees, was always challenging him, but well, whoever he rebuked on a, on a personal level, did they look at him or were their heads down? And I think it's the way we rebuke. It's the way we rebuke how men respond. Do we rebuke yeah. with a strong iron or do we rebuke in a way that draws the person to the cross? Yeah. You know? yeah. Am I going to speak to Mike Salen and rebuke him and draw him to the cross? Or am I going to speak to Mike Salen like I'm his, his, his everything and I'm going to spank him so hard that he'll learn? Which one is it? I think God tells us that in the book of Hebrews that everyone gets disciplined by their fathers, but when God disciplines us, he draws us to his holiness. Yeah. What a what a technique. I want to learn what it is to draw men to the holiness of God. I want to learn that. That's what I want. I'm hoping that makes some sense, uh, it makes any sense to you. It does. I mean, it covers a broad, a broad range of stuff that we need to understand yeah. completely. And and the thing about it is we, we're running out of time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we, my goodness. We haven't even talked. You know about the discipling. You yeah, know. we had got it. We're going to have to have you back on to to really dive into uh, the disciple relationships and why it's so important for men to have other men in their lives. And it's just a gamut of things that you and I have experienced in our lives and oh, we deal man. with that we we could just talk for hours uh, yeah. about ministering to men because it is so important and so important for our churches to understand the importance of it. And, you know, one of the things that, um, and I don't want us to go down this rabbit trail, but I just want right. us to throw that thought out there to, to, to for guys to understand. I don't know what it is, uh, but a lot of churches don't want to have a men's ministry today in their churches. I mean, I've, I've, I've been that long ago where I've heard a pastor say, I don't need a men's ministry in my church. And that just floors me when I hear that kind of stuff. It, it, and, it, uh, and I don't understand Stan, why they have that kind of an attitude. Do they not know that uh, the, the whole family unit is based on how the man ministers to his family? And, uh, and he has to be that trained. And uh, he's got to have other men in your life. I mean, I can't tell. One of my favorite verses I like to quote a lot of times comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. And it says that two are better than one because they have a great reward for their labor. Wow. But if one falls down, there's another there to lift him up. And woe to him. There's Here's a warning. Here's a warning in the scriptures. And woe to that one who's alone and doesn't have someone to pick him up, to lift him up and encourage him. That's the foundation of building brothers. That's scripture. You just absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, oh. it is so important. I mean, I know a lot of guys and a lot of ministries like to quote Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. It's scripture. It's true. We know it's true. But that Ecclesiastes is where it really gets down and where the rubber meets the road, so to speak, where one man meets uh, ministers to another man. Yeah, he and, reaches uh, down, he reaches into the dark area, picks him right up. But woe to the guy who falls and has nobody. Oh man, how how tough it! And it, you know, I I got I, I pulled four men in about six years ago into a small group <clears throat> to take them through uh, a study together. It was a men's study, helping them to understand the importance of men having each other's back. 
And, and I gave them a promise. It was a 10 week study, but I told them, I said, I promise you at four weeks, if, they, if you tell me this is not for you, you can leave and no words will be said to you. So they all agreed. And I, at the end of four weeks, I said, okay, you've made your commitment. I'm making my commitment. If you want to leave, uh, not come back, finish the study. I won't ask any questions. And one of the guys says, I've never experienced anything like this. I've been in the church for over 40 years. Over, he's in his 60s, over 40 years. He said, and I have never experienced anything like this in the church. I ain't leaving. <laughs> and he is still, that group is still meeting today, and he is still part of that group. Praise and God. so, yeah, Praise and so it is so important for us to understand that we're going to have you back on, Mike. Uh, we're oh, probably, man. you and I are well, going let, to get let me give you my. I'm going to give you my theory, real quick theory. Sure, go for it. That question you're talking about. We'll, uh, we'll use uh, this to kind of wrap up for the, yeah, for the day. So, okay. My theory why some pastors or churches don't want to have men's ministry is a theory, which means it's an educated guess. It means, number one, is this, that either that man, that leader, does not want to be exposed to some things that he has in his own heart and don't want to deal with it. Mm. And two, we're not complicated, but we make men's ministry complicated. Mm. You know, we make it complicated. So I don't know how I will have women's ministry. I'll have children's ministry, but nothing for the guys. Yeah. What do you mean nothing for the guys? You got to have something for the guys. You know, men like to play together. Men like to pray together when you do it. Men like to compete with each other. So work on those three elements and you'll watch men come together. You know, and that's Amen. all. That, that's my, my theory is that I think that that leader is afraid to be exposed to some things. And if I don't have men's ministry, I can keep my little pet pee with me. Now, I'll probably get in trouble by saying that, but I, 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 I think. You got to speak truth. got to speak truth. You know? Yeah, got to speak truth. It's a thought. Well, Mike, it's just a thought. <laughs> well, Mike is, I mean, it, it, we, we, we've had a good time. We've had some fun time. On, on this podcast today, on this, on this program, and, and I appreciate you. I appreciate you, brother. I love you, brother, and your ministry and all that you've done. And uh, and and we are. I mean, I'm going to uh, uh, over the next few days. I'll get back up in touch with you, and you and I will will work out a time probably in the next month or so to have you back on there where we can actually talk about discipling, what discipling is all about, and how how can you how can you begin a discipling ministry in your church. <clears throat> yeah, amen. But I, I, I thank sound, you. If I sound a little stuffy, it's because I'm recovering from COVID. You know, oh boy. but I, man, I don't even feel it on me because I feel the presence of God in this whole process, Mike. Amen. Amen. You know? Mike, it's been great, and I appreciate you being with me today. Amen. And all the information you've shared and it is is something that uh, I hope men will take and and digest, and even some of the ladies, because I know there are ladies that listen to this listen to this program also. And, uh, and we will have you back on here. Now, let me ask you this as we wrap up. I don't want to neglect this. If somebody wants to contact you and talk to you, uh, how would they do that? Well, they can call my, my – my, listen, I'm going to give out my cell phone number. Uh, I've had you know, two or three people do that lately. I'm you know, gonna... <laughs> I'll give up my cell phone number. I, I, I can I – can, I can uh, uh, monitor who's who's right and who's wrong, you know, and as, as far hey, as that, hey, you know. But my cell phone number, if you don't mind, I can give it out here. Yeah, that's up to you. 774-273-0039. You can call me, but don't call me at 2 o'clock in the morning. You know? <laughs> oh, you're <laughs> not going to be there. Night. You're not going to be there 2 a.m., man, at this particular oh, stage. I'll be. If we have a relationship, we'll be. <laughs> but, you know, but I'll probably be snoozing. But uh, my email is uh, uh, Mike. 
J-O-C-E number 30 at gmail.com. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Again, I, I, I do a little uh, seminar called uh, Building Brotherhood Among Men, and we talk about five aspects about how to do that. And I've done it with Iron Sharp Design and watch men respond to that and watch men, Mike, in tears, uh, especially the part of vulnerability. Uh, so, you know, that's how they can reach me, you okay. know? That's good. So that uh, phone number is 774-273-0039. And your email is Mike, J-O-C-E, three zero at gmail.com. Guys, I, I yeah. encourage you to reach out and, and contact Mike. I know he would be thrilled to, to talk to you about ministering to men and how you can begin ministering to the men in your church. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it, Mike. And guys, I thank you for listening to Intentional Conversations. Intentional Conversations is a production of Cake for Your Men and Men's Ministry Coalition. If you've enjoyed this program, I'd like to ask you to do two things. One, share this program with a friend. And two, consider helping us keep these broadcasts coming to you by becoming a financial partner to Cake for Your Men. You can give by going to the CakeForYourMen.net website and click on Give to Cake for Your Men button at the top of the page. Cake Fear Men is a 501c3 organization operating under Ministry Alliance, and all donations are tax deductible. And I thank you in advance for your donation. If you want to learn more about Cake Fear Men and how Cake Fear Men can help you reach the men in your local church, you can uh, you can know more about what we discuss on these programs. You can go to CakeFearMen.net, and if you'd like to speak to me directly, you can email me at Mike.Sandlin at CakeFearMen.net. But for now, I will leave you with this blessing. I pray God will give you a rock to stand on, a brook to drink from, and a tree to shake you. This is Mike Sandlin saying God bless, and I hope you will join us again on the next Intentional Conversations with Mike Sandlin.